breaking news is the coronavirus pandemic is forcing Major League Baseball to alter its schedule. As of 4 p.m. Eastern today, spring training games have been canceled. The opening of the 2020 regular season will be pushed back. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. We appreciate you downloading and subscribing and rating and reviewing because that's how iTunes markets podcasts. Uh, for those loyal subscribers, we do have a little bit of a change here on the show. We changed categories. You know, when iTunes rejiggered all their categories, some joker from Underdog Sports, who was not going to be named, uh, put us in the baseball category. And if you've looked at the podcast over the years, I don't think we do baseball. Like, I would say we do 40% baseball. So there's a category in the news category, and it's called sports news. And that's where this show is going. So if you've been looking for the for the show, uh, it's now in a different category, but it's the same podcast. And we appreciate all the listeners that we have had. And we'll see. Watch this. I'll get like five listeners, you know, just because we went to sports news. Um, anybody who knows me knows that for about eight years, I worked at Major League Baseball Advanced Media. Uh, I became friendly with the guys over at MLB Productions. Um, they were like my family. Like the, we, we traveled together. We would go out to dinners and, and, and boozing and doing all kinds of shenanigans. And, you know, one of the guys who's gone up the ranks now at MLB. Well, it's not MLB Productions anymore. They kind of absorbed that title. I still have an MLB Productions hat somewhere, and I'm not getting rid of it anytime soon. But they have come, come out every year uh, for as long as I can remember with the official World Series film. And it's usually comes out on Blu-ray and DVD and wherever you can get uh, those things. And it's it's now it's done all at MLB Network. And the, the productions guys have kind of been absorbed by there. Uh, Jed Tuminaro is a guy who, for the last five years, has been directing uh, this uh, this amazing uh, film. I believe, uh, December 8th. I think it was actually two days ago. Okay. okay. Yeah. And just released last week, the new 2020 World Series film. That's the Dodgers victory over the Tampa Bay Rays in the hodgepodge baseball season of a lifetime. And it is narrated by the icon, the Hall of Famer, the superstar, Vin Scully. Take a listen. To tell the story of the 2020 World Series, you have to understand what will always be its most improbable aspect, that the series happened at all. And to appreciate why that was so improbable, you really have to start in the middle of March, two weeks before the regular season was to begin. For as long as we all can remember, they played big league baseball in the spring. We took it for granted because we could. It felt like a part of us because it was. But then came the spring when they couldn't play ball and no one seemed quite sure when they would again. Uh, I mean, is that an iconic voice or what? Uh, it's almost better than having him live on the show. Well, no, that's not true. When I we had Fred Clare on a couple of episodes ago, I said, that's the guy. That's the guy you want to hear. You just want to hear his voice. It's unbelievable. Uh, 
This is also week 15 of the National Football League, and we are going to tell you what the latest odds are as you can place your bets. Also, there's some big college football title games, uh, including some rescheduled ones that are very strange. We'll talk about all of that with the head odds maker at Bavada Sportsbook, Patrick Morrow. But this 2020 World Series film is great. And no one's telling me to tell you that. And I have a great Vin Scully story. Uh, the one time, I met him a couple of times, but the one time I had real interaction, um, we discussed the playing of God Bless America at select dates in, in time in a baseball season. My attitude is you either do it all the time or don't do it. Don't do it on Fridays. Don't do it on Sundays. You don't choose when you honor the country. You honor the country. Vince Scully came over to me in the Dodgers press box at uh, in Los Angeles and said, you know, I was listening to your conversation and I happen to agree with you and I'll never, ever, ever forget it. Jed Tubinaro, uh what was he doing back in 08? He was slumming it at MLB Productions and now he's a fancy director and he joins us here on Sports with Friends. Jed, it's great to reconnect with you. Thanks so much for doing this. Oh, it definitely is. Thanks for thanks for having me. And I still have my uh, MLB Productions t-shirts as well. So. Of course. Oh, uh, totally, totally. Um, and that's kind of where I wanted to start. I mean, you guys used to have unmitigated access. Like, you had access to everything, you know, from, from the days that I, you know, I've covered baseball for other outlets now, but when I was at MLB... I remember you guys had this unprecedented access and I remember it was like a goal of ours to just kind of piggyback on the coverage that you guys were doing. But in 2020, you can't talk about 2020 without talking about COVID. And in 2020, I noticed first and foremost, from what is a fantastic film, you guys rolled on or used a lot of the press conferences that you guys are in the actual room, but that the rest of the media are watching on Zoom. You guys are in that room and less of the one-on-one -on -one after interviews. And I would happen to think that I like that better. I, I thought that was a really, really cool choice. What about the idea that you guys are putting together the same standard of film, but in very, very different conditions? Yeah, and that's a that's a really good point, because which I guess we'll get to in a second about like, um. You know, you're forced to do some things differently, but then when you take a step back and look, it's like, well, maybe that was a kind of an improvement or at least a different creative way to go. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's was certainly different um, with all the health and safety and protocol issues and restrictions and quarantine. You know, we had less producers on site. We had less camera crews on site. Still great people. By no means were we, you know, did we not have resources, but not like what we're used to doing. So you just have to adjust and things that, you know, we used to always be able to just count on, like we're going to get a ton of sit down interviews and we're going to get access to all the players. You don't know what you're going to get with that. And if anything, you go in really expecting less. So things like press conferences that you used to take for granted, oh, daily press conferences became so much more of a part of our daily editorial. And yeah. to your point, which was a really good point, like, you used to go into those press conference rooms and there was a hundred reporters and, you know, we didn't put a huge premium on it because we looked at it like, well, everybody gets this. We're going to get different type of stuff. Right. This year, it's like, well, nobody's seeing this. You're hearing it. Well, you're seeing it on the feed, but right. no you're one's on in the there. zooms, but it's, it's different. Right. No one's in there, you know, a few feet away, 
profile or getting a tight shot of a player coming in after maybe a tough loss or an exhilarating win. And there's a different type of emotion you could capture. So we relied a lot more on that type of stuff to create sort of um, an access feel to it. And in that respect, I think it worked out pretty well. What was it like uh, getting the icon, the absolute icon, Vin Scully, who you heard in the beginning of this podcast? Um, he sounds great. He really does. But he sounds old, man. He just he sounds like uh, you can hear the changes in his voice. And it, it's it's eerie at, at times. What was it like working with him? And how did you record him? Well, we re we recorded. He went to a studio. I mean, he went to a studio by his home. And really? Yeah, which was, you know, it's crazy. Um, you know, I think he's 93 now, got in a car, went to a studio, we recorded him. And yeah, like voice quality, sure, a little different than slightly than what we used to, but he is still so sharp. Like, you know, no, you, no, you no. Know. And it's not a criticism. It, yeah. You know what it sounds like? It sounds more dignified. It sounds, it sounds like he's older. It sounds like he's the guy who saw Jackie Robinson and he's the guy who called Kirk Gibson's home run. And he, when he says the line, well, let's play the line at the end of this, where he says he's seen every world series the Dodgers have ever won. In the history of baseball, you won't find any season that was anything like the 2020 season. In a year that has been so improbable. And yet in the long and storied history of the Dodger franchise, from its days in Brooklyn to its now 63 years in Los Angeles, this was a ball club whose dominance would rank alongside the greatest clubs in team lore. I know I've been so very fortunate to see the celebration of every one of their championships. They've done it. It's the impossible dream revisited. Every legend of every generation enjoying their greatest moment on the game's grandest stage. For all its haste, all its peculiarity, all its fragility, the 2020 season ended up feeling a lot like all the others. The best team holding a trophy high in the air. The Los Angeles Dodgers, champions of the baseball world. In addition to like, he's the best, he's great. That is, it's one thing to just be really, really good at your craft, excellent at what you do. The fan base adores you. But to see every single one of them from Brooklyn to L.A., you know, from Jackie Robinson to Clayton Kershaw, everybody in between, you know, Sandy Koufax, Fernando Valenzuela, you name it. Um, and so that part of the script, most of the script he narrated and, you know, he played the role of a, of a narrator um, and a very good one. But that one part was important because it was first person. It was personal to him. Um, and so in those specific words, you know, he was speaking as someone that I've been here. I've seen this all. And this one means as much. And this one is special. And I thought he delivered it, delivered it really well. More with Jed in just a second. Maybe more from Vince Scully as well. I say we do that. Uh, but first, this is week 15 of the National Football League. We're coming down the home stretch. There haven't been rescheduling. There hasn't been any changes except for flex scheduling. The Giants and Browns are playing on Sunday Night Football. The Giants? That's weird. Let's welcome in the head odds maker 
of Bovada Sportsbook, Patrick Morrow. And we'll start it off with what I think is the game of the day, even though they lost last week. The New Orleans Saints hosting Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. What's the line there and the Superdome, the fanless Superdome, but the Superdome nonetheless, uh, this is a potential Super Bowl matchup. Absolutely. Yeah, I was just going to say uh, the New Orleans Saints, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, looking at our futures odds, uh, really a decent chance that those are two of the three teams are sorry, two of the teams that could be playing the Super Bowl. I was thinking two of the three because the Packers also right there with Super Bowl future odds sure. tied with the Saints at plus 650 right now. Uh, Saints, yeah, you know what? One thing for the Eagles all season is despite the uh, struggles they've had offensively, uh, they you know have really looked well they've really looked decent defensively and that was kind of the problem that new orleans ran into in that game but uh the chiefs defense uh doesn't create that same similar kind of problem for uh the saints so in that game we currently have the saints as only three and a half point home dogs so the chiefs are the favorites in this game we expect this to be pretty competitive one currently we have 70 percent of uh, all money bet on the kansas city chiefs at the bottom that's certainly a game that's must watch. Another game that I think people should keep an eye on, uh, the Washington football team hosting Seattle. Washington is hot, and they're playing better, and they're a pretty significant underdog at home against the Seattle Seahawks team that, I'm sorry, they're not that good. Yeah, as it currently stands, uh, the Seahawks are six-point favorites on the road. Um, you know, the Washington team has looked all right. I mean, I think it's still important to weigh their successes against the division that they play in. That's fair. Uh, and, uh, you know, another team, though, that looks really, really good on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and those wide receivers just, uh, I think we talked about it last week, but the work that they do elevating Alex Smith, taking these two or three yard check downs and dump offs and going for 10, 15, 20 is really quite impressive. So, I mean, again, this is a game where Washington's defense will have to hang. Uh, but that Seattle defense is god awful. They are, unless they're playing the Jets, they are, you know, gosh, everyone needs one cleanse game against the New York football Jets uh, to really just, you know, brutal. I mean, gosh, Darnold went down the field. He gets three points on the first drive. You're thinking, all right, they're moving. And, and that was it. Just really unfortunate to watch. Quick sidebar, Jets now minus 300 at Bovada to go 0 and 16. Uh, unfortunate news for Trevor Lawrence there. But looking back at this game, yeah, Seahawks minus six, getting about 60% of the action at Bovada. Over under only 44 and a half, one of the lower ones. So there is this expectation that Washington should be able to keep it close, should be able to keep it uh, and hopefully make it a defensive battle, I should say. The, uh, the two the two jokes I can make about this. Number one, um, the, the 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 fact is Trevor Lawrence has to know he can pick his uh, coach because Adam Gase is not returning, and it doesn't make sense in this pandemic. You don't fire him. There's no assistant on his staff that you think can run a team, so there's no point in firing him now. You might as well just ride it out, go zero and sixteen, get Trevor Lawrence, and then tell. Uh, Trevor Lawrence's people, who do you want to play for? And if Bill Cowher wants to come out of retirement, I would say Trevor Lawrence, that's a great situation to be in. If Bill, that's the rumor in New York, is that Bill Cowher wants to come out of the broadcast booth and go back to the sideline. The Jets is a plum job because you have a, you know, a, a top draft pick who might make the Pro Bowl in Mekhi Becton. And then on top of that, you could get Trevor Lawrence. Now, yeah, you need a lot else, but 
the NFL is parity league. You can go from 0 and 16 to 8 and 8 in a year, and you could go from 8 and 8 to 12 and 4 in two years. So it, you know, the the NFL is not baseball where you have five year plans. The new GM of the Mets came in and said, "We're hoping to win a World Series in three to five years." That's not the NFL. In the NFL, you are you you're 0 and 16 this year. Fine, season's over. You start zero and zero next season, and they're going to have aspirations of being 500, especially if they get Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, if you're putting Trevor Lawrence uh, in the AFC East, uh, that very quickly becomes one of the more compelling divisions in all of football. With uh, sure. the way the Bills are on the rise, uh, the Dolphins on the rise. You know, you got to figure Belichick's going to figure it out there. A lot of people have actually suggested that. Uh, Sam Darnold might find a landing uh, spot there in New England New after England, this yeah. season. But uh, yeah, so yeah, that, that's a great point there. I mean, uh, you know, it boggles me. But, you know, we've gone through it. It makes a little bit more sense the more we've looked at it, why Adam Gase is still there. Because at this point, what would replacing him achieve? But yeah, surely uh, <laughs> I was trying to think of something so bizarre that could be more likely than Gase being there. But uh, words fail me. But yeah, you, that make, you make a really good point that Trevor Lawrence the current minus 750 favorite to be the first overall draft pick, which would be going to the odds on favorite to go 0 and 16 Jets. Yeah, put the right guy in there and they can flip that. Uh, you know, the NFL loves to balance out those schedules. So teams that finish poorly get those weaker matchups yep. the following season. There's so much at play to turn that around. You know, maybe not in one year, but you know, they could be competitive in a year or two. Uh, sure. And I think that's pretty attractive for a new coach that would want to come in and, you know, gosh, who doesn't want to coach Trevor Lawrence right now? Not only does he do it on the field, but he seems like a good kid as well. It's uh, it's a really attractive situation for anybody that wants to, you know, take this team that has some talent there and really succeed. I just, I, you ha if you have a brain, if you have a brain, you know Adam Gates is not returning. And the joke I wanted to tell you about that is my friend is a contractor. You know, like he, he fixes houses up. Mm. He's been working this entire pandemic on Adam Gates' house. <laughs> and I just said, all I texted him was, I hope you are making that house great for realtors. <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah, like hopefully it's a lot of renos. Hopefully the Gates family maybe isn't in there too often for any of this. A lot of takeout meals, a lot of uh, yeah, don't touch anything kind of thing. Oh, boy. I, and I don't take it back. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't take no. it back. I'm not taking it back. I, uh, okay. A couple of teams that we have to keep an eye on. Number one, the Ravens. Uh, big win for them. Lamar Jackson is back. They're going to beat up on Jacksonville. But they need all of these games. So even though this is a massive line and, you know, what is it? Almost two touchdowns. The reality of it is, is for Baltimore, we're in week 15, and they're not assured of a playoff spot yet. Yeah, really weird season for them. Uh, you know, they, they started off well. They had the COVID nonsense that uh, pushed their schedule around one, two, three times. Uh, awkwardly got uh, <clears throat> awkwardly got Lamar Jackson back for a game as a result of that schedule manipulation, which has been, you know, sometimes good, sometimes bad. Uh, you know, we know how the Broncos feel about it. Uh, looking ahead to Ravens at Jaguars, or sorry, Jaguars at Ravens, pardon me. Uh, yeah, that's just under two touchdowns, minus 13 and a half are the Ravens at home. Uh, pretty big number there. Uh, we have Gardner Minshew back under center after, uh, you know, a little bit of success last week. And 
looking at it now, we're about 55% of all betting is on the Raiders in that spot. So it looks like a big number there. The Jaguars defense, another defense that has looked pretty okay in spurts this year, has made some quarterbacks uh, look not ordinary, but struggle a little bit at time. I'm thinking of that uh, Jaguars-Packers game. Uh, so, you know, a chance they can keep it uh, close. I don't know. The odds surely don't suggest that. But there is, you know, for all the other favorites we're looking at this week, there's a little bit more hesitation on the Ravens. We're not seeing that 65, 70% bet down. We're seeing a little bit more split there. So interesting to see what happens come Sunday. And I'm also interested. This game was flexed. And I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> this game was flexed. And I know that CBS... Uh, protected Chief Saints. So I understand you didn't have, there's not amazing matchups here. Look, you saw the Monday night game is Pittsburgh at Cincinnati, but the Sunday night game is the Cleveland Browns who now suddenly have to get back on the winning track against just a lowly five and eight Giants team that is literally only one game back. And we talked about Washington having Seattle. The Giants could get back into a tie for first place with a victory over the Cleveland Browns on Sunday night. Sunday night football is at the Meadowlands <laughs> and it's the Giants and the Browns. What in the world? But what, what are the odds? Yeah. It's, uh, my, yeah. We, we talked about the NFC least and uh, you know, what, what a bizarre situation we found it. And I think uh, one of my more immature friends was trying to create a scenario in which they could all finish six, nine and one to end the season. Uh, you can imagine why. Uh, but yeah, the Giants uh, still in contention, technically, this late in the season, a surprise to all of us. We had them, I think, 20 to one to win the NFC when the season began. Only four point home underdogs against the Cleveland Browns who are looking pretty good. Uh, the Monday Night Football, uh, Monday Night Football uh, blow up notwithstanding, looking pretty good. Though Browns there in that spot, you know, the analytics haven't liked the Browns. I think every time I've uh, mentioned that, they've then gone on to win. So I don't think we talked about it last week. Uh, Giants have looked pretty good defensively. They look like they're actually building something there. Uh, you know, this may still not be their year, but in that division, uh, it really is any team's game. Looking at that game specifically, though, as noted, Browns four-point favorites at Bovada and about 60% of the betting handle on the Cleveland Browns. Thanks, Patrick. For more odds on the Week 15 plus the College Football Conference title games and much, much more, you can subscribe to the Bavada Ad Odds podcast wherever you're finding Sports with Friends. Now more on the 2020 World Series film with Jed Tuminaro. Um, in a normal year, when do you start working on this film? I mean, it, it's we talk about it, we'll do some preparation, but very, very close to when it starts. I mean, okay. because you don't know so, the team. So not really until October. So did, oh, you, definitely. did you know you were doing one? Like, was there a conversation that was had where they said, should we even do a video this year? Like, what happens if we spend all the money to produce this thing? And then after game four, they call this thing because of a COVID outbreak. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I even remember the day that the framework was announced, 60 game season. Here's the playoffs. And I remember talking to someone um, who, you know, at the, at the league. And right away, I remember that day they said, there's a World Series film this year. Because I had said, like, will there still be one? You know, is this a real, like, is it going to be treated like a real thing and they said no absolutely and you know in a typical year you talk about it you know you book your cruise you do whatever but you don't really do that much on this thing until a day or two prior because you don't know the teams really it's you don't have that lead right. time like a super bowl or something to really 
you know, sometimes you don't know the teams until 48 hours before even. But this year you knew you were going to be in Texas. Definitely. Which is, is, I I would imagine, a luxury because, you know, for those of you who aren't familiar, like they don't know where the World Series is going to be played until the two teams that are in it win. And in a normal year, you have to hodgepodge that whole thing. And I'm I'm, I'm going to use that word all season because that was my, my theme for the MLB season was hodgepodge. And to, to in reality, could that help you? Because you knew you were going to Texas. Like, did you, were you able to hire freelancers down in Texas? So to save on travel and such like that? Yeah, that's, that is a good point. That's like a very inside thing, but yeah, like, so Sorry. while there were def, <laughs> no, but it, it, it's so funny you say that because while we had a lot of issues, cause you have to quarantine and that's something you don't usually deal with. Like usually, right. you know, world series begins on a Tuesday media days, Monday, we have people flying out Sunday night, Monday morning, yep. no big deal. This year, because the quarantine, that was a big deal. You have to get people that can go down there two weeks early. You know, it's not the easiest thing, but having a location that you knew about actually did present some things that were easier. Travel, knowing where you're going, when you get there, um, not having to wonder, you know, 24 hours before. I mean, I remember there were years where, I mean, you know, this is another inside thing, but like 2018, I think it was where there were games in Boston that were 40 degrees. There were games in LA that were hundred degrees. Like that's the typical, you know, joking. Those are luxury problems to have, but you don't even know where you're going, what stadium, what's the weather, what's the climate this year you kind of knew. So were most things more difficult? Yeah, definitely. But there were a couple things that were a little easier. The only thing I remember from covering world series, you know, just, and not having a horse in the race. Like, obviously if you're working with a team and they're in the playoffs, like I remember in 2011, I was working with the Phillies. I wanted them to win. You know what I mean? And they didn't, you know, they, they lost to the mm-hmm. Cardinals. And I remember that going, Oh, that's, that stinks. I don't even think I saw the 2011 world series, but uh, what I remember is if a team goes up three, one, you root for it to be over. But if a team is going two two, if you get to two, two, you want it to go the distance because you're invested in it now. Now I want it to go the, the, the distance. And you had that because of the wild Saturday night. And I, you know, you guys, the two be- best compliments I can pay is you really got the magic of that Saturday night game four, and you nailed the Blake Snell. Blake Snell looks like he's going to cry. And you are so you're zoomed in on him. And the other aspect of this, this whole thing, you know, with regard to the world series is you didn't have fake crowd sound. Thank you. Thank you. Because that's the worst part of watching sports in 2020. Yeah. Well, that's, you just brought up two examples, which to me were sort of the challenge, but also like the beauty of this year on one hand, it all looked different. And when we went into doing this world series film, like we didn't want to make it like, I think broadcast probably go out of their way to like, let's make it look as real and normal as possible from crowd noise to whatever. We didn't really want to do that. We were like, you know what? Players are wearing masks. There's empty seats. There's sanitizer in the press conference rooms. Nobody's in the press conference rooms. There's an athlete. And then we'll pan the room and there's a wide open room with nothing but a zoom monitor. But on the flip side, once the game started, that's where I felt like, it kind of was like a world series. And you brought up the two examples. I think like when the game four happened, it was still like, that was as exciting and dramatic as a game. And, you know, sure. There's not as many fans and things might have looked weird around the series, but when that unfolded, that was as good as a finish as a world series has had in recent memory. And the Blake Snell thing, like 
that was still something that the next morning everybody was talking about. Everybody was dissecting. Everybody was playing, you know, the second guessing the manager. So I feel like you had this combination of everything looked and felt very different. But at times when the game started, it was a World Series. This portion of Sports with Friends is brought to you by Elocans. Elocans is your audio superpower because it helps you get through all the things you don't have time to read. Wait a minute. I don't have a lot of time to read many things. Elocans is an app that turns articles, emails, and documents into audio podcasts instantly. You can take articles stuck in your browser windows, and I have plenty. All my sports articles, all my superhero articles, even some Prince articles I haven't even read yet. Elecance turns them into audio, so if I'm driving, if I'm editing, I've been blocking out time to exercise. That's another topic altogether. There are so many services out there that take audio and turn them into text. This does the exact opposite. It says here you should listen to them while you're running. Clearly they don't know me. I only run when chased. Listen to a PDF document while in the car, doing things around the house. Give your eyes a break from your screen by listening instead of reading. There's even a Chrome extension so you can add articles and web pages directly to your app. You can find Elecance in the App Store or Google Play for iOS or Android if that's your drug of choice. It's spelled E-L-O-C-A-N-C-E. Download the app now. Start listening on the go. Check out Elecance. And now, back to Sports with Friends. Tell me a little bit about, you know, the opening of it. You know, first of all, you start with that young lady, and I'm sorry, I don't know who she is. And and she had a mask on, so I, even if I did know who she is, I couldn't tell. But she's in the complete darkness. And you, like, you show her turning the lights on and getting everything set. And it's, it, it's an automatic reminder. And I think when that will pay off, honestly, 20 years from now, when, yeah. when COVID is something that they're teaching in school, and you can turn on the 2020 film because, you know, who knows how many World Series the Dodgers will win between now and then. But you'll you'll see this film or it'll come on MLB Network or wherever they'll find this this film. And they'll say, holy moly, that person wore a mask and and in, in a baseball setting like it's so I don't want to say off putting, but it's so jarring. And that's why we wanted to especially the open because like we could have probably done a traditional open, like really tight images, dramatic music, but then it feels like every other one. So we were just like, to your point, which is a really good point, like it should feel different. Like when you look back at a photo album or whatever, people look at phones and their uh, photos on their phones now, or whenever you look back at what this year was, it's not gonna look in any visual sense that documented history like any other year. So we kind of didn't want this to do that either. So we went back and forth and we're like, I mean, Honestly, we're like, is this like exciting way to start? Like they're setting up a press conference room with sanitized, but we were like, I don't know. I think it works because it. it sort of feels real, like what it was like there. And you guys, you, you have, you interspliced uh, hosts like Kevin Burkhart's all over this film, but you never see him and other people too. But I, I just, Kevin's my boy. So I, I just, I, I noticed that the, the, the reason why I bring that up is I thought you guys dramatized very brilliantly how the shutdown went because that was also strange because also a lot of fans 
weren't paying attention to baseball right then and there, because don't forget the NCAA tournament had just been canceled. The NBA season was just suspended. We did a bunch of podcasts on that. Uh, uh, Rudy Gobert touched those guys' microphones. Mm -hmm. Hockey is, these guys are going all over the world and all these things are happening at the same time. And oh, spring training got canceled. Like, of course, spring training got canceled. And you guys took me to a place that I'd never went as a fan because frankly, there was other, there were more pressing things to look at. Yeah. And also like, like all those other things were in like these late stages, like because baseball was just beginning. I think a, you're right. Like there was a lot of other things that maybe took center stage, but I also think there was this feeling of, Oh, well, they have so much time. They're fine. Like, that'll be fine. Well, it's just, you know, but, but when you hear the players talking it, like, I think if you were living it at the time, which, you know, as workers, we were, and as players, they were like, it did feel a little like, I don't know, like, is this thing going to ever, you know, get off? Is it going to happen and stuff? And that's why I think we made the whole thing kind of special at the end is that, yeah, sure. It was a very abbreviated season and it was different and all that, but it, it did happen, which was good. Okay. This is, so I, I think I've kissed your butt enough. So now I can sa- I can ask questions that I, I earned my street cred uh, to be able to ask you, you allude so- in the film to the defensive change at third base when Justin Turner gets taken out of the game. Six outs away from a World Series title, but in a season played in the shadow of the COVID-19 pandemic, one more reminder of the delicate nature of it all was coming. It would turn out that Turner had been removed after a positive COVID test just as his team was marching towards the final outs of a championship. And I was dying to know, and this isn't a criticism, so uh, take it for what it is. I was dying to know how you were going to cover that because that was my number one takeaway from the World Series. I'm not a Dodger fan. I don't hate the Dodgers. I have no issue with the Dodgers. Fred Clare was just on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. All good, all good things. I have nothing but, but appreciation and God forsaken, I don't have any issue with the Tampa Bay Rays. But Justin Turner was a jackass. That that night, he was a jackass. And I know he's a good guy. I've heard all the stories. And what you guys are walking this line, because you're not, you're not doing a journalism report, you're not going to sully the Dodger fans' moment. Because the Dodger fan is buying this film because they can't wait to see this thing. And they don't want to be called to attention that Justin Turner did that. And if you look, when you guys do your pan around of them taking the picture, you don't focus in on Turner. And that's all I was looking for. And it's so interesting. A couple things with that. Number one, you kind of hit it on the headset too, like in terms of like what um, I think the fans are looking at from the film. But I will, I mean, I will say this. Like, so what we did was, you know, obviously documented like what we knew at the time, which was why he's out of the game um, and, you know, set a line. And then to your point, kind of made quick work of it. A couple reasons for that. I mean, one of them was, and this is, this is totally the truth. And this is probably a little bit inside here, but we deliver, um, we deliver the film 10 days after the final out, which is pretty tight. You know, it's like, I mean, yeah. I soup to nuts delivered. So I know this might sound like a little bit of like posturing and other thing, but like, it was still like really unknown. Like if you remember the morning after, it was like the biggest story. It was like, oh my God, what happened? What do we know? Who was at fault? How did this happen? Then like a few days later, it was like, you didn't really hear much. Everybody left Texas. That was it. 
we're almost getting ready to kind of like deliver this thing. Now, I know that probably sounds a little bit like excuses, but like it would have been hard to kind of be like, well, where does this stand? What were the ramifications? Um, Did anybody get it? Did Turner make a statement? Were there fines? So like we did deliver long before that. But I will say like, even if I think, you know, we knew everything to your point, um, you know, there's different responsibilities, I think, for like MLB Network the morning after. Um, you know, columnists like writers and a championship film. I and, felt but like not a but not affiliated MLB people also. Sure. Yeah. We're looking I mean, at it differently. You know, when I was affiliated there, like I don't know how you handle a Justin Turner situation, but I'll I'll tell you this. The guy I was looking at at the time is Manfred, because I remember stories of Bud all the time, and Manfred's mad at me anyway, but I remember stories of Bud not wanting stories to get out. You know, like there was an incident in 06 at the uh, Pittsburgh Home Run Derby. It's on an earlier episode of Sports with Friends where David Ortiz had a guy uh, that was wanted by the FBI and he wanted him on the field, you know, during the Home Run Derby. And they were like, and Bud said, let him on the field. And they're like, he's wanted by the FBI. And they said, let him on the field. I need David Ortiz to be hitting. And I think that if their priority was to get Justin Turner off that field, there's 12 MLB security people. There's 35 cops there. You can get Justin Turner off the field. They didn't want that. They, they, they didn't, once it was done, they regretted it, but they didn't want Justin Turner to not be there. They didn't want to create a scene because if there's a scene, then you have to document it. Yeah, I mean, and that's, I don't know what, you know. And for the record, Jed Tuminaro did not say any of those things. So his job at MLB is in good standing. Mine will never happen again. No, but in, in all seriousness, though, and I think one thing with our crew is like, they were just running around, you know, real time, trying to get everything they can get, the celebration, the reaction. Of course. So really, and this is the total, like, on the level truth, like, we really didn't know what was going on. You know, we're sitting there and Kershaw's over here celebrating and there's a trophy presentation over here. So, you know, people watching back at home, you kind of get that update from Fox and you sort of are on Twitter and you see what's going on. So in a way, I guess it sort of made it a little bit easier for the crews because I don't think they had to process this. They were just documenting what was there. Um, Yeah, I mean, and then everything kind of comes out over that night and the following days. But by that point, you know, our jobs out there were, you know, in terms of shooting no, what we see. Of yeah, of course, of course. And, you know, you interview him separately. You do a separate interview with him, which had to have been done after. And you made this conscious choice. And again, I'm not, I'm but not criticizing. We actually got him earlier. That was actually like before the series, the interview with Turner. Oh, really? That okay. we could, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, no, so we are, or, or before, after game one, maybe, but it was really early in the series. So we don't, um, so the only specific, if you watch, the, you know, some of the, which which is actually stuff we deal with a lot. Like we try to get guys after the game. So we have specifics, of course. Right. Sometimes you get guys two or three times throughout the series. Quite often you get them kind of at the beginning of the series or after game one or two. And then you're sort of like, hey, we may not get this guy again. So Turner Anytime, if you see him speaking about something, let's say it's in, even in that game, maybe he's probably speaking about something about what it would be like to win a world uh, series or uh, how good is Walker Bueller, you know, stuff like that. We didn't know, we did no interviews after the series, just a couple press conferences and that was it. That's it's a good answer. And, you know, if you look back at the history, you know, look at the Scott Brocious and the Tino Martinez interviews in the 2001 world series, 
which is one of the greatest films I've ever seen. That that holds up to this day. That's an amazing film. And you don't see me running from in the tunnel from the Yankee clubhouse to the Diamondbacks clubhouse <laughs> after Tony Womack gets the double because the, you guys were everywhere. There was there was not a place where MLB Productions wasn't at. It, 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 it's amazing. Um, the decision at the end to show fans in their homes. I, I would imagine if you're a Dodger fan that tugs at your heartstrings. It. I don't have the same resonance with it because, again, this isn't my I don't have a horse in the race, but the the conscious decision and who are those lucky fans and what did they have to do to get their footage into your film? I mean, yeah, we wanted to do that just because of, you know, normally we're there. So many fans are there and we go document the the parade. The credits are 100 percent. We go down there and we're in the city and you're getting all that. So knowing we weren't going to have that, it's how do we still incorporate? And I actually like that stuff anyway. Like even if we were able to go document a parade, I love those kind of raw reactions, just seeing the regular people, what they're like. And a lot of that was just finding stuff on social media, getting their permission, reaching out to them. And it just adds an energy. It adds an energy of real time because you see what it means to the people. You know, you really see the one what one guy. Means. He's like his belly sticking out of his jersey. He's, <laughs> he's screaming at the top of his lungs and the people are rolling their eyes in the background. And his family's like, oh, my God, we're filming you. And it's 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 priceless. Yeah, it just there's always an energy and an emotion you get from those from real fans that you just don't get anywhere else that, you you know, even the players, they have it, obviously, and they're what they've been through. But Sometimes when you see what it means to the fans, you're like, wow, you really get the impact of what these games mean. You know, it's really interesting to see, hear it from your perspective because, you know, you were there and you're seeing something that I wasn't. And it's, it's, it's a lesson. And again, uh, Everett is the name that's saying these words, not to Monaro. I want him. To, but, you know, the off day, the storyline from the off day between games five and six Manfred's talking about how much money they lost. And I was like, don't talk about this. Like, what, what are you doing? The, yes, I'm not denying that you lost a lot of money. And I'm not denying that you, you know, you, you're having financial strife and you have a labor deal coming up and all those things. This is the stinking World Series. And in your film, you don't remember those things. Because in the film, you're seamlessly going from one game to the next. There's a great little moment when you talk about how they switched home teams <laughs> because the Tampa was the home team, but that's a nicer stadium than the Tampa's ever played in. It's it, it just, it's funny how, how you guys are talking about it seamlessly. And for the 85 minutes or however long this film is, the problems facing baseball are pushed to the side. Yeah, well, I think that's what... Um you know, in a sense is what I like, what I like about the film is that you're in this little, you know, you're in this capsule of the excitement and drama and everything that's great and what we love about baseball and really anything that kind of, you know, whether it's off day press conferences or what's going on away from the field or anything like that is something that really, unless it's directly related to the, like, if it's a world series type thing, you know, every now and then we'll go do an access piece away from the field on an off day with a player to document that. But yeah, to your point, I mean, this film pretty much lives in the capsule of, media day through you know almost a half hour after game six and typically it goes a little after that because like i said we go back to the city document the parade we do wrap up interviews with all the players we didn't do that this year for obvious reasons so it really ended for us you know about an hour or two after the series ended 
And who is monitoring all the broadcasts? Because you guys have Rays Radio, Dodgers Radio, uh, Fox Television, and I'm sure something else. I, I'm, I'm I'm sure of it. Uh, there was there was there was other things because the conversation, for example, on the decision to take out Blake Snell uh, and the players that were saying how excited they were to see him leave the game is just absolutely yeah. brilliant. That's such a great moment in that sport because it's it's literally it's the it's the young changes of the sport facing what you and I fell in love with. Totally. And that's what you had, like, you know, the other games that you had some excitement, you had some great moments, but those are the things you kind of remember in the series, the things you dissect. What are you talking about the next morning? What are you breaking down? And to your point, like you had right there in a nutshell, sort of a new school, old school, like, where's the game going? You know, what would Bob Gibson think of this? And what would that, and you know, the Rays side, it's, this is what they do. This is how they do it. And then you have the you know, the flip side and the counter arguments. The thing about that was, which was crazy is it all happened so fast. Like you were following real time. Like, even if you were looking on Twitter, it's like, wait, what's happening? Are they taking them out? And in a span of a few minutes, it was like, oh my God, like this whole game just turned. So, I mean, it made for some really great excitement because that game, um, I mean, it was exciting anyway, because it was tight and it was a clincher, but it was ratcheted up like a hundred times in terms of just the drama and what you would be talking about with that decision. When, when you saw the way they pulled this season off, now that includes the Marlins, it includes the Cardinals, it includes Justin Turner, it includes all of it. Uh, do you think that baseball did? I, I, obviously, they did the best they could, but do you think that baseball? That, do you think the baseball season uh, had doesn't have an asterisk next to it? The, you know, the the the, the, the awards came out. I'll, I'll give you the context. The awards came out. And they're talking about like who won the Cy Young Award, and I'm thinking to myself, Cy Young Award? It's two months. Like it, it what it didn't. I, I don't know that it was a whole season. What what was your thought on just the season overall, not the film? What was your thought on the baseball part of it? Yeah, I mean, the one thing I did think, and I know I alluded to it a little earlier, but like I didn't know what I would think about a World Series champion. I was like, look, I'd like it. You know, if my team won, I'd like it. But I don't know. Like, what is it going to feel the same? And then I like maybe it's because of what it took to get there. Or maybe it's the fact that like the playoffs was still the, the postseason was still the postseason. Like you still had to beat teams. You still had a, you know, the Dodgers. Yeah, but I didn't like that one. two out of three. Did you, that, that was. Yeah. So well, hard. I mean, you know, I'm a, no, especially for teams that like, you know, um, like I'm a Yankee fan full disclosure. You know, you look up and you're just like, Oh, wow, you work you could for be MLB down. in the two thousands. You're a Yankee <laughs> fan. No, no kidding. <laughs> you could be down, you know, you could be, you could be over in, you know, 48 hours or whatever. But so from now, but from that respect, I did not think like, like I, I personally don't think like I would look back and, you know, years from now and look in baseball reference and see the Dodgers and go, Oh, that was the year that, cause I don't know if anyone does that with 81. I don't know if anyone does that with, I don't think you know, like that. Right. You know, in other sports, I, I don't know. I can't, I don't know all the other sports when it happened. I'm sure there was a lot of teams that, you know, won finals and the, I think the Spurs won one in a really short season. No one the really, Devils, you know, the Devils won the Stanley cup in 1995. Yeah. And I, that's, that's our first championship. Yeah. As that, for the, you know, yeah. awards and stuff. I mean, I guess that's for everybody to judge. For me, I guess I still would look at it like, hey, that was the best pitcher. That was the best hitter. Yeah. But those probably are a little more, you know, because you don't know. What if there was another X amount of games? Would this guy have made up the ground? And those, to me, are legitimate arguments. The one thing about the postseason, and, you know, there's no way to quantify this, but, like, I, and maybe this helps with the Dodgers playing the Rays, the two best teams. But I at least felt like 
like I don't know if a team that was 500 maybe got in, went on a little run and won right, the whole the, thing. But if the Brewers yeah. win two games against the Dodgers, yeah. the Dodgers are out. I do think like the fact that um like these two teams that I felt like if the season went on another three months, like these were probably going to be teams that were there. You know, the Dodgers probably had as good a shot as any to win the whole Fair. thing. So I, I thought in that respect, um, it certainly helps when I look back and think of like, how do I, how do I view the season? Right. The counter argument is the nationals were, you know, in, in, in 60 games and then they went on this tear uh, and then, you know, the nationals kind of figured themselves out and all of a sudden, you know, they go on to win the world series and in a 60 game season, they, they, they couldn't do it. Um, what during the course of the year, um, what was the, what was the attitude around just being at the ballpark where players for the most part, were they into it? Were they believers? There's a great comment. I think it's Clayton Kershaw in the film where he says that, you know, we kind of thought after the Cardinals that we were going to get shut down. Did, did you get the sense? I mean, there's some great lines. You guys had the boom mics, you know, on the field and they're like, those are actual people. That's a great moment. Those are actually people because Texas had fans in the stadium and that was wild. And it was just, it was the whole thing was just so odd. What was the players like? And I I have a follow-up to that. Yeah, I think the players, like you brought up, like the comments they said in the film to me were pretty um, interesting because a lot of times, you know, you hear the stock answer. And at that point, it could have been easy to say the stock answer because we were getting these players with three or four days in the season. So they easily could have said, no, I thought we were going to be fine. Or, you know, like I-, I had a feeling once we got going, but they didn't. They, they Several of them told us, and as you said, we, we used it in the film that we didn't know what to expect. We didn't think it was going to happen. And I, that was a genuine, I think that's how a lot of people, because no one knows, right? It's just such an unknown, you know, like you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what to do when a crisis hits or when it, when an outbreak happens, um, you know, NFL sort of navigating it now. It, it just, you don't know. You could have all the best protocols in place. So I think there was a general I mean, I'm just speaking for the players, but just seeing what they were saying throughout the year. And I think there sort of was um, a little bit of fear and trepidation, but I got also the sense that there was so much excitement, like when the game started. And I really think that like they did everything that, you know, they had to do to, to play and to, you know, get a season in. And even when I watched like Yankee games, I was like, what's that stadium going to be like with no fans. But like, when you watch some of those games, you're like, no, they're, they're just as intense. I wish there was 50,000 people on the stands cheering. But these guys are, you know, they're the weirdest. They're at, it's a regular thing. The weirdest thing in Yankee Stadium is the, the 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 way I can use the example, and I've said this on the podcast before. Number one, I have never parked on the street at Yankee Stadium in my life. I have never parked on the street, and I there was a spot right literally down the third base line. I'm like, what in the world is this? That was weird. The other one that's weird is if you walk down the concourse in Yankee stadium and you look to your left, it looks like a regular game because the game is being played. But if you look toward the right, it looks like it's the middle of December because everything's all boarded up and all wrapped, you know, saran wrapped and all, all, you know, because there, there's no concessions. There's no, the lights aren't even on the bathrooms weren't even open. Like it just, it, it it's like, if you look on one side of the building, if you just look to your right, it looks like the off season. And if you look to yeah. your left, it's like the middle of, August and it was it was weird I gotta say it's just weird 
Yeah, and you see that like even even within shots in the film, like one of the great things about the film is like, you know, we have these great camera crews and they're in different angles that you don't see on the broadcast. And you'll see a moment that just looks like you're getting wrapped up and this looks like it could be any year. This guy just hit a majestic swing and look at that. But then you like, he'll take a few feet on the trot and that's usually where you'll just see everybody in the background going crazy. And those are like my favorite shots. And you get these reminders. So you, it's this juxtaposition between what you say, feeling, wow, this is so abnormally weird. And then a few seconds later, you know, a Rosa Rain is sliding into home plate with the winning run and they dogpile them. And like, all right, that looks like another World Series from 10 years right. ago. But then they take the lap around the field and you're like, whoa, look, that looks weird again. Well, and I don't want to take anything away. I, I think the players' efforts were really, really uh, extraordinary. And it was very well doc- documented by you guys. I mean, you guys literally have, you have their feel. You have their, their, their thing. Last question I wanted to ask you is, I remember from my days, they were guys that were easy gets. They were guys that were super famous, but they were MLB productions had these great relationships. I'm thinking about David Ortiz and I'm thinking about uh, Derek Jeter and I'm thinking about those kinds of guys who are the players today, because there's a, an image issue where, I don't think the general public knows who ho- what Jose Altuve looks like. I think, you know, people talk about a Rosa Reina. Nobody knows who a Rosa Reina is. And, and I'm sorry that, you know, if a Rosa Reina uh, has that kind of postseason in the 2006 World Series, uh, he becomes a household name, but he's not. What about the players? Who are the, who are the bright stars that you really enjoy interacting with? And it's not just in 2020, just in the last couple of years, because you've seen the evolution and you see this this next generation of unknowns. And there are. Yeah. I mean, and you bring up Ortiz and I remember that so well with productions. And there are there are like a lot of guys, you know, if if the, you know, um, Francisco Lindor comes to mind, Pete Alonso comes to mind, um, Kristen Yelich comes to mind. Uh, We haven't as as a crew. We personally haven't done a lot of stuff yet with um, Acuna or Tatis Jr., but these guys look like, I mean, sure. you talk about, I have a feeling that, you know, people will be watching them for the next 10 or 15 years. Um, so there's plenty of young guys and, and, you know, that are so exciting. They're good to deal with. I think they totally get um, doing, you know, media savvy stuff. And hopefully that just continues and grows over the next decade and, and beyond. Uh, how can people find you online? How can they uh, praise your work or rip the hell out of your work? How, wh- how, how can people find you? I am uh, like to be unfound. No, but uh, <laughs> I am. Um... fine. <laughs> if you don't want to do it, listen, I'll do my joke at the end of the show anyway, but they, e- either way. No, I'm uh, this is probably not a good answer, but um, I'm out there. I'm on, you know, I don't really post a lot of stuff on social media or whatever <laughs> and that stuff. So this is probably not anything you want to use, Seth. So if you want me to do that again, I can. But uh... no, but here's what we'll say. Uh, you know, you can find Jed Tuminaro online. And if there's anything that you had an issue with during the course of this episode, do me a favor, reach out to him directly and leave me the hell out of it. <laughs> well, well said. <laughs> There is a link to the 2020 World Series film on Amazon in the show notes of this show, and I tweeted it also. Follow me at Seth underscore Everett, and I will make sure you get the latest film, 2020 World Series film, 
with Vin Scully moderating. Our thanks to Jed Tuminaro. Thank you for listening. We do have our Christmas tradition, two Jews hanging out on Christmas Day, next week on the show. Until then, be safe, be smart, and let's get out of this pandemic together. In a year that has been so improbable. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available for you to see. I'm about to go, and then you'll know for me to stay, I got to be me. Taking up my time